Hey, dentisting friends, this is Dr. Nacho. I'm so excited to be doing the Dental Nacho Supreme CE coming up soon. It is going to be 24 hours of live streamed virtual CE brought to you on your couch when you watch live. It counts as live. Miss an episode. It's going to be up in the group for the entire year. To learn more about this awesome opportunity, reach out to us at dentalnachos.com or email supreme at dentalnachos.com. My number one amigo, Rob, is going to be one of the uh, presenters for the Dental Nacho Supreme. It's going to be awesome. You're going to love it. It's going to be CE brought to you on your couch. Don't miss out. Welcome to the Dental Amigos podcast with Dr. Paul Goodman and attorney Rob Montgomery, taking you behind the scenes of the dental business world, all the things you didn't learn in dental school but wish you had. Rob is not a dentist and Paul is not a lawyer, but since Rob is a lawyer, we need to tell you that this podcast is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be considered legal advice. Listening to this podcast does not and will not create an attorney-client relationship. As is always the case, you should formally consult with legal counsel before proceeding with any legal matter. Learn more about The Dental Amigos at www.thedentalamigos.com. And now, here are The Dental Amigos. Hello, everyone. I'm Rob Montgomery, and I'm joined, as always, by the head nacho himself, Dr. Paul Goodman. Great to be here, Rob. It's good to see you virtually, Paul, and welcome to another episode of The Dental Amigos. Uh, we're recording this episode on May 5th, 2020, Cinco de Mayo. Happy Cinco de Mayo, yeah. Dr. Nacho. Distant Cinco de Mayo. I, I have my, my appetizer bottle of tequila I'm going to get started with until I get to the evening, so it's a big day uh, in the dental nachos world, Cinco de Mayo. I wish we were having a a big regular party, but we're going to have to do it virtually. Yeah. Or let's just rain check that one. You know, yes, we can yeah, have exactly like that, like that. June de Mayo or a July de Mayo or any, something. Like I'm not willing any, to give it up yet. Any cinco of a month we'll push it to. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, so here we are with our, our seventh podcasting in place episode. Uh, and as I've said the last six weeks, not our last, uh, uh, Philadelphia area where, where we both live, we are, still in lockdown. You're, you're allowed to play golf now. So that's a, a positive development that hopefully more good things will come from that. Uh, but uh, there's no, no end in sight for, for us yet. Uh, but, you know, we've had some really uh, great guests over the last few weeks, Paul, and our series of what dentistry will look like post-COVID, I think was just a great resource for our listeners, um, for my clients, and for me personally, I've really enjoyed chatting with uh with all those uh, great guests totally it's like a, a dentisting world therapy session where you just talk out what everyone's going through what things might look at really you know uh, a unique you know uh, making content in quarantine was unique but i think uh super important yeah yeah and so what well, is really a great segue for our show today uh a few of our recent guests suggested that office membership plans may be really uh highly advisable in navigating uh, the post-COVID landscape. So ask and you shall receive here at the Dental Amigos, right? Awesome. Uh, so today we're going to explore how uh, a dental membership plan can be a powerful tool to help jumpstart our dental practice when uh, the COVID crisis lifts and, and after that too, and how it can be implemented now and it can all be done virtually. And so we're lucky to be joined by Dave Monahan, who is the CEO of CLEAR. And uh, for those of you who are not familiar with CLEAR, that's CLEAR with a K, K-L-E-E-R, which is an advanced cloud-based platform that enables dentists to easily design and manage their own dental membership plan and offer it directly to their patients. Dave has a passion for creating technology-enabled businesses that improve people's lives. He founded CLEAR and championed its mission from the beginning. 
He designed the CLEAR platform based on dentist and patient feedback, uh, curated a brilliant and hardworking team, and publicly advocates for dentists and patient rights, and continuously pushes the company to innovate and be better. Prior to joining CLEAR, Dave served as a president and CEO of FitLinks, which is a leader in the wearables market, where he created simple, affordable, and connected wearable devices for the medical and sports markets. He also worked at Microsoft, developing new product marketing and partner strategies that helped the company and thousands of its partners enter new markets and grow. And uh, now, without further ado, we're excited to have Dave Monahan. Welcome, amigo, and thanks for being on the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Rob and Paul. I really appreciate it. And by the way, it's also Taco Tuesday. It's not just Cinco de Mayo. Exactly. We, uh, we definitely have to have this, you know, rain check day. And so to get on a Cinco de Mayo and Nacho and Amigos theme uh, subject, if we were having nachos in person, Dave, where would you like to go? And what's your favorite nacho topping? My, uh, I guess my favorite nacho topping, I, I, this is a, a local thing, but my kids have got me hooked on PJs, well, well in hand, oh, nice. you know the Philadelphia area, right? And uh, yeah, so they absolutely love the nachos there. So we've gotten those every time we go, but uh, I'm a big fan of chili. So I always get my nachos with chili, even though my wife typically fights me on that uh, alternative. But the net is I always have to have my nachos with chili. I like that. It's a, it's a, it's a hearty topping. Perfect. Old school. Yeah. Uh, so, Dave, uh, tell our listeners uh, a little bit about Clear, uh, what Clear is, what you guys do there. So, you, uh, as you introduced, Rob, so we basically are a cloud-based platform that makes it very easy for a dental practice to design and price and manage a membership plan that they offer to the patients directly, obviously. And we can get in some of the details, you know, as we, as we talk, but it just makes it very easy for a practice to set it up and price it and, and design it. And then it also is the full interface that a patient uses to purchase the plan and again, manage their part of it as well. So they can, you know, we have a portal where the patients see their plan document, they see the benefits, uh, they can uh, uh, add family members to their plan, things like that. So it takes both the patient and the practice side, brings them together into one cloud-based platform and just makes everything very easy. Great. Right. That's cool. And so, you know, Paul, you and I have talked about this and with our guests. And so, Dave, I'm interested in hearing your thoughts about, you know, how dental membership plans can be leveraged by dentists and dental practices in this uh, post-COVID recovery world that we're hopefully going to get into in the next few weeks and, and months, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, as of May 5th right now, what we're seeing right now is it's actually practices are starting to open up across the country. Pennsylvania, where I am, not yet. And I know you guys are in PA as well, so uh, not quite yet. But we're starting to see a little bit of a wave of openings, which is great. Um, but as far as like, you know, this time and why to do it now, um, it's we, we try to go find something to compare like the COVID crisis to. And we went back and I think you guys talked about this in the past in some of your podcasts as well. The Great Recession is an obvious place to look and say, okay, what sort of happened during the Great Recession? And, uh, and sort of what can we learn from that? And what's, you know, if you compare and contrast that to COVID, you know, what, what can we take from that? And what you, see, what you see when you look back at the Great Recession is uh, total job losses across the whole Great Recession was about eight or nine million. That's over two years uh, in 2008, 2009. We're already, I think, as everybody knows, we're already up over 30 million job losses. So yeah. the COVID crisis is going to cause probably three times, maybe a little more of job losses than the whole Great Recession over two years. And it's going to be within months. So 
obviously we got all, and I know everyone knows that, but you got to be sensitive. You also need to understand the magnitude of it, right? It's just, it's monstrous. And now a lot of those people are going to get their jobs back, hopefully. Uh, but the net is a lot of people lost jobs, they lost benefits. Uh, and so you're going to have a different patient base coming, you know, when you come back in. And what we're doing, we did some calculations on it. And we think like in the past, maybe a third of patients were uninsured. We think it's going to be closer to 50% now moving forward. So almost every practice is in a way a fee-for-service practice post-COVID. You need to really understand those, you know, cash paying patients and address their needs. And so you, you have that sort of as a sort of a dynamic. Now, the other thing that we saw, and this was actually a study done by the ADA, we looked at how, you know, what happened to patient visits during the Great Recession. And the amazing thing was that it didn't change much. It only dropped about 6% throughout the, the, the uh, Great Recession. So over the two years of the Great Recession, the percentage of uh, consumers going into a dental practice dropped 6%. So it wasn't like this huge drop off. Now COVID's a little bit different in that you got to make sure the patients feel protected before they come into your office. But what I think the Great Recession proved is that dental care is pretty resilient uh, to to uh, economic impact, and people want care. So so our net is coming a bit to your to answer your question. I was just you know trying to put some perspective around it. Is we think when you open your doors, you're going to have a backlog of treatment needs as you know since you've been closed for some period of time. You're going to have patients who'd like to come back if they feel comfortable coming back. You're going to have backlog, but they're also going to be much more price sensitive than they have been in the past. And there's going to be a higher percentage of uninsured or cash paying patients. So a membership sort of is a way to meet them at that spot where they're trying to, you know, commit to care and they want care, but they're going to want to do it in a budget friendly way. And they're going to want to feel like they're getting, you know, they're sort of financially savvy of how they purchase their care. And a membership plan really meets that need. Yeah. Those are really good points. I mean, clear, you guys have been a, a kind resource and sponsor what I've done for years and membership plans sort of seem newish now, but they're not really newish. They've been involved in dentistry. How many, I mean, how many years have membership plans been uh, a, a thing? I, I hear them going back. I mean, it's before my time. I got into it about three or four years ago, but I hear them come back, back 15 or 20 years. I mean, yeah, so, and you know, the needs versus wants is an important thing to say. You know, I, I use an example like the car, you know, your mouth is a lot like a car. In fact, when patients are acting crazy, which is like every day you're a dentist, I say, if you could drop your mouth off like your car, it'd be a lot easier for both of us, Mrs. Smith. But since you can't, we're stuck with this together. But the membership plans allow, make it doable for people to come in for these maintenance visits, have them step forward, come in and see what's going on. And then what they buy after that, we're not sure. I mean, you know, maybe there will be some pullback on what we call elective care or want-based care, but at least if we can stabilize our offices with getting people to come in for maintenance and making it easier for them to do. I mean, you guys do not have the pleasure of being a dentist. Maybe we can make that happen someday. I always tell Rob, we're going to take him to another country to do a filling. So he says, yeah, this is pretty tough, but um, there are patients and this is a real thing and maybe I would be the same way, who they don't think they can come in unless they have dental insurance. And and some of them might not even think you can pay. I mean, some people say to me, oh, I was just here. And I said, that was four years ago. They said, well, I lost my insurance. I couldn't come. And I say, well, you could pay. And they, you know, if I know them well, it's a joke to them. But that's where I think these membership clubs are just filling such a tremendous need for dentists to connect with their patients in a way that makes sense. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. And if I, if I go back to our market research we did prior to setting up Clear, it says exactly what you're describing, uh, Paul. And by the way, just on a side note, I have a daughter who's 19. She's in her first year of college just wrapping it up. And she's decided she, she's going to dental school. Oh, wow. So, 
I, I, I may get, you know, whatever, get pretty close, right? So yeah, you, uh, yeah, you, I won't be doing a filling, but. <laughs> yeah, but de facto, you're a dentisting human. Yeah, if you work with dentists, yeah, so I, I, you'll, you'll get an honorary degree. Yeah, yeah. you're going to get free dentistry, free <laughs> dentistry for the rest of your life. Well, <laughs> what I told her was, I said, I paid for her school, but we're partners when she graduates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that idea. It, you know, it, but it's interesting, you know, uh, Paul, I mean, do you, are you getting the sense from Dennis that you're talking to, do people have a, sort of an understanding of, of what Dave said that, you know, we are looking at basically 50% of, of, of patients that used to have insurance will not have insurance post COVID. Are you getting the sense that I, mean, I track this fairly closely in my office? I track trend trends. So for a while, maybe six or seven years ago, we had about a third of patients in our practice who did not utilize dental insurance. That actually shrunk over the past few years because people, I think, insurance people are trying to capture it in a variety of different ways. Even buying their own plan, which is usually not so nuts. It's usually much better to do a membership plan than to try to buy your own plan. But I do see that because a couple of reasons. A, people have temporarily lost their job. They might not have it. Maybe uh, employers are going to stop offering it, right? Because that may be something that they don't want to be involved with. Dental, dental insurance is traditionally not expensive to offer, but it might be wrapped into the medical insurance plan. Maybe that's it. So I, I agree. Yeah, I, I think we're going to have a huge fee-for-service component to all practices. Yeah, I think people need to really be cognizant of that, that, you know, start making the plans that, you can't rely on if you are a PPO practice just for people to show up who used to have the, the insurance, but it also impacts fee for service practices. I right. had a conversation last week with a buddy who has a fee for service practice and he's, you know, dealing with the fact that, Hey, what's, are people going to have money or the, the appetite to spend uh, money in a dental practice with elective procedures? And that term elective procedures is I think a, a, probably not the best term to be using these days because it's, it's almost like if, if it's not an emergency procedure where you can be open and, and perform that procedure, it falls into this elective procedure category. And there's a whole lot of range in what elective dentistry. I, 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 I just opinion. like that. It should always be the burner. The burner has described everything in life. Front burner, medium burner, back burner. That's what it should be. We have front burner problems, medium burner, and back burner. And the medium burner can easily become a front burner problem. So the whole, we don't even use the right words. We use essential versus non-essential which has just thrown this whole thing into a, I think a weird place. Right. We use uh, emergency versus elective, these huge gaps. And I, that's why I think what Dave was saying before about some of his market research about getting patients to move forward with stuff is, is so important and, and capturing the work on the patients who want to be there uh, can pay for it and creating flexible financial, financial options, which is what membership plans do. Right. Yeah. Fee for service and PPO. Because again, people, if people are not, uh, are going to be reluctant to spend money, they need to feel like it's going to be affordable, whether they have insurance or formerly had insurance, or if it's a practice that was always a, a fee for service practice, you have to, I think, at least show that you're trying to work with your people yeah. and, and give them, you know, some sort of benefit and discount now more than ever. Because, I mean, that's almost like a threshold thing in the, in the service industry, I think, Dave, I mean, I see that in my practice, you know, like if I weren't, you know, trying to be reasonable and accommodating with, with my clients, like I, that, that would be really uncool at this time. I mean, I mean, I like my people just like you like your patients, Paul, and you were not, we're not trying to, to put them out of business or, or put them out of, you know, house and home. Right. Yeah. So if I digging into that research, I think it's really important. It's the point you guys are making. 
what I had done prior to setting up Clear was we actually did market research. So we hired third parties to go out and do market research. They talked to patients, they talked to dentists, they did focus groups with both groups, they did a national survey. And here's what we learned about uninsured patients. One is there's a lot of them out there. I'm not sure if everybody understands how many people are uninsured in the US who don't have dental benefits. It's about 150 million pre-COVID. So post-COVID, you guess whatever the number is, right? It's probably gonna be at least 10 to 15% more unemployed. So you're talking 160, 170 million people who don't have dental benefits. And so the first thing we wanted to know was, do they even value oral care? And what's great news for every dental practice out there is they put a high value on dental care. They get it. And they relate it, the three things they related to the most, 85% agree that good oral health leads to a better life, like in general, a better life. They said that it's a, uh, 75% said it leads to a higher quality of life. So my, my life is just better from a quality standpoint. And 65% said I will live longer if I have better oral health. So if you think about, you know, basically it's my sort of overall health and life, my quality of life and my longevity, they tie to oral care. So you're selling something that's really important and very valuable. Now, the issue though becomes when you look at uninsured patients, they only come in about 17% about of all uninsured patients go to a dentist on an annual basis. So let me just say that again, 17%. It's like horrendous, right? Mm. And I've had a lot of dental practices tell me, well, that's not the case in my practice. My, my uninsured still come in. And we've analyzed a lot of data from practice management systems. And the net is they don't come in even half as much as most dentists think they do. They think they're coming in, but actually if you look at the data, they're not coming in. Um, and when you talk to those patients, they want care, they want to commit to care, but the two things that keep them away are they, they think it's too expensive and they don't have coverage. And they're very interrelated where the not having coverage feels, they feel you know, sort of exposed, they don't feel like anybody's on their side. They can't figure out what pricing actually should be because it's very an opaque market, right? It's very hard to understand what pricing should be in the dental market. So what do they do? They assume pricing is going to be higher than what it actually is. So when we'd ask them pricing, they would guess two to four times more or higher than what the actual pricing is. So in the situation, that's it's that's a big point. I, I'm a big fan. I teach a lot about how to talk about money and I'm a big fan of say the numbers, hear the numbers, have your team say a crown is this, a filling's this, because it's actually, we think the patient's going to be turned off, but really it manages their expectations is the reality anyway. And I, I'm with you. I didn't know this market research, but I would have guessed similarly being a dentist for 17 years that people would usually guess a lot higher than what the cost of stuff is. Yeah, it's amazing because in the in absence of information, you typically guess the worst, right? And and so we would ask them, we actually asked the questions, how much is a filling? How much is a cleaning? And consistently, it was two to four times more than the actual price or cost. So uh, the net is, so if you get into the mind of a patient, uninsured patient who walks into your practice and sits in that chair, they the, the whole net of it is they feel exposed, right? They don't have coverage. They don't feel like anybody's looking after them. They don't know what pricing should be or shouldn't be. They don't want to negotiate because they're completely uncomfortable negotiating in a healthcare setting. And so I always tell dentists to put yourself in their shoes. And the best way I can sort of describe that is think about when you are in a mechanics, uh, you know, whatever, and they're looking at your car and they're telling you you need something and you have no idea what that part is and what it really means. You don't know how much it costs. You don't know whether this mechanic even knows what they're doing with that part. And so, again, that's that feeling of exposure and you really only have two options. None of them, neither one of them good, right? One is you say no and you leave and now you're scared to death. Your car's going to break down and now I got another task I got to take care of somewhere down the road. And then the other one is you say yes 
And in that instance, you're like, I just got ripped off. Like, cause you have no, yeah. you have no place to compare. So, you know, try to put yourself in those shoes. Now the great news about um, the uninsured is they want coverage. So almost 90% of them in our surveys want coverage, but they want it to be simple and affordable and transparent. Like that transparency is a huge thing. So they have this view of what coverage should be. They just haven't found it yet. Like don't see it out there. That's where membership plan comes in. It's, yeah, I think it's important. I always say I, I had a good um, experience with a patient recently that just fits with this mindset. So a spouse was in and needed a big implant case. And I said, it's, you know, total investment to be $30,000. She said, my husband's never going to go for this. And I said, you know what you should do? Go home and tell him it's 50,000. And then he says 50, say, just kidding, it's 30. And I actually think that's fairly brilliant. It's a little messed up, but it's brilliant. I mean, I, I didn't invent this, it's the same thing, because it's people's perception. You know, if Rob and I walk in to get margaritas whenever that's legal again, and we all walk in, they say, they're 20 bucks. Nah, just kidding, there's 12. We can never unhear that $20. And that's why I think what membership plans do so well uh, is that, you know, it gives this real feeling of I'm getting a discount on what other people are paying full price for. And that's literally people's favorite thing ever. Uh, so the, the feeling you get when you talk to the patients, when you ask, you ask them to describe the feeling that you get by being on a membership plan. And Paul, the number one thing is I feel financially savvy. I feel savvy, right? So I always challenge people on this one because everybody does it. I, I assume you guys use Amazon Prime, right? You, have yeah. Amazon Prime. you probably use it all the time. You're citizens of the planet, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, Rob, have you ever checked the price of something on Amazon Prime versus just going and buying it somewhere else? Occasionally. And, and, and that's somewhat recently because there were a few things which, which like the extension, not to get too far off topic of the Amazon. There's Amazon Prime and then there's like that, that auto ship thing where like prices just change and just keep showing up. And like after a year and a half, you're like, how much are those paper towels again? Like, is that like even a right number? But so there were a few instances recently where we were like, that ah, seems like a uh, kind of a crazy amount for, for some tea bags for the office. Well, you are absolutely right. So if you actually look at Amazon pricing versus where you could get it somewhere else, I mean, you get this wherever on the web or Walmart, wherever, Amazon's typically more expensive. And the other thing is people are, always think Amazon shipping is free. It is not. It's built into the price, right. right? And so, why are people buying so much from Amazon Prime? I, I'm, I buy everything from Amazon Prime. I barely look, but it's it sort of. I took a step back and said, I'm going to go compare. And about 80% of the products I bought on Amazon Prime, I compared to just going on the web and finding them. I could have got them cheaper on the web. Now, here's the barrier to entry for me, right? I got to go to these other websites. I got to enter my information. I got to enter my credit card. That up into account. Right? That. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so. What we see, we can get into the results in a minute that we see with membership plans. That's the same thing with the membership plan. Once I'm in, I feel financially savvy. I'm getting a deal and I have coverage. I'm not going to go shop around, right? And now I got trust with the dental practice. And you don't want to, you know, hurt your patient. You don't want to screw your patients on pricing. You want to give them a good, fair price. But the net is, it doesn't have to be the cheapest, right? I, I don't want it to be the most expensive. But the thing is, it should be fair and patients are fine with it. And it's, it's convenient and it's a, the it's a way they like to buy. Dentists are typically, you know, Rob, you, you said this, it's, it's also what's your time worth in general in life to constantly price compare anything. This is, I don't want to make fun of this one too much because my family likes it, but there's a free Italian ice day every year here in Philly. Yeah, it's the and first day of spring. I'm aware of it. I'm familiar with it in my house as well. People will wait 45 minutes for a $4 thing. And I said, what if I told you to stand here for 45 minutes? At the end, I'd come back with $4. You would tell me, 
forget yourself, but because they're getting this perceived free Italian ice. And it's a fun thing and it's a harmless thing, but it just shows you the psychology of purchasing things is not rational. It's not intuitive. It's really, I think, for dentistry based on convenience. And that's what membership plans do. Just like an all-inclusive vacation when, you know, you can have as many drinks or as many much food at the um, buffet as you want. You feel like you're being financially savvy. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's funny you say that too, Paul, because I'm trying to look up quickly. Uh, there's a book that I'd read years ago called Predictably Irrational, right? I don't know if you've, if you've seen that, Dave, by uh, uh, Dan, uh, let me pronounce his last name, Arelli, uh, Arelli. And so he's a, uh, he's a behavioral economist. And so he kind of casts uh, doubt on, on this whole thing that, you know, the supply and demand, because that assumes that there's a rational consumer that's making those decisions and people make irrational decisions all the time. I mean, why would you drive, you know, two hours to save $50 on a suit? Like, and, and like the gas alone doesn't justify it, but that's, that's how people behave. And it's not, um, you know, it's a rational behavior that a lot of people exhibit when they're purchasing anything. Yes. Somebody said this to me and it's always stuck is people don't make rational decisions. They rationalize emotional decisions. Yeah. Mm. that's true it's an 80 i think it's like 80 percent of decisions are emotional yeah yeah you, you really need to understand that when you're uh, when you put something like this together as a medium age dentist who's been a practice owner for you know 13 years and has dealt with ppo fee for service all these different things insurance plans i think that most patients like most patients want to take care of their teeth right most patients want to take care of their teeth and if you can deliver them a way to take care of their teeth in a way that makes sense most are going to get it. And that's why we've had good results. I mean, I don't know if you have these data and I don't have it off the top of my head in my practice, but you know, our membership plans are exploding from where they were. I mean, we might only had 10 one year and now we have 50 and then we're getting to 150, but I see this, you know, exponentially growing inside of a practice and it's all good. I mean, whoever's listening, new owner, medium aged owner, uh, owner's about to retire to me, it's like having an Uber app on your phone or a Lyft app on your phone. It's just a good thing to have. There's no downside. Use it if you want or don't use it. Yeah. So I can go into some of that data if you'd like to uh, hear because we actually, for any practice on the Clear platform, we offer to pull their uh, data from the practice management software and compare their membership plan patients to their uninsured or uncovered and then also to their insured. We just look at what type of, you know, sort of activity, what do they purchase, what type of production hygiene and so on, you know, I was created across those three different groups. And uh, so, and let me, uh, whatever, preface this with, you know, if you look at books like The Membership Economy and The Automatic Customer, these are books written about, you know, membership economy, subscription economy, whatever you want to call it. But everything we've been talking about, Amazon Prime and, you know, Marriott Rewards and, you know, Costco and so on and so forth. And the numbers that come from that, and this is across all industries, the average uh, sort of impact of a subscription or a membership plan is those customers buy twice as much. That's just the average. And you can go read those books. They have all kinds of studies done. Um, and so, and, it, and those, those customers are much more loyal to the you know, businesses that, where they buy a subscription. It makes sense, right? You think about your own life, right? I barely, I never go to a, a, something other than a Marriott unless it's some, for some reason, right? The Marriott's not available or it's, it's not a very nice Marriott. But um, so and that is, you know, the, the, that's sort of been very well documented. So we decided to start doing that on our side and look at uh, practices. And we have thousands of practices on our platform. And 
the average of, you know, this isn't like, we're not picking and choosing like ones that are done well, and ones that are done not well, we've averaged it. And the impact is 2.1 X. So when you have a patient on a membership plan versus a patient not on a membership plan, who's uninsured, the membership plan patient does 2.1 times more production than the non-membership patient. And these are the same patient, like one has it, one doesn't have it, they both visit the dentist. But the, the patient who has the membership plan is, they feel like I, that, we call it the membership club effect, they feel savvy, they feel like they're getting a deal, they have transparency, right, they have coverage. Uh, we even tell practices, make them feel special when they walk into your practice, thank them for being a member, maybe even have a little gift for them, like they got closer to you and they trust you, that's a big part of it. And then by paying that subscription, they're committing to their uh, hygiene. So they come in two to three times more often. So, and where does treatment come from? It comes from hygiene, right? All treatment, 75% of treatment comes from a hygiene visit. So it's just a game of numbers. They commit, they pay you, and they come in. And then when they're in that chair, there's treatment needs that are identified and accepted. And they, they by having that umbrella of the membership plan and that uh, membership club effect, they accept treatment at a hot, lot higher rate. It's that simple. That's, that's basically how a membership plan works. I mean, the great thing about it too is what we're talking about is people are, are getting their teeth fixed. It's not like we're talking about selling them something yes. they don't need. Like, it's like you know, it's all a good thing. It's good. These are necessary services. So, and and you know, also you know, as you know, uh, the uh, one of the two non-dentists here, Paul. You know, this is you know, people. I, I imagine if people come in more regularly, you're going to catch things sooner. So there's a difference between having you know, uh, you know, being able to treat a perio problem you know, right at the outset, as right. opposed to somebody hasn't been in there for four years and have to have extractions all the time. It, it, it's, a, it's a win-win for everyone involved because it's, it's just like maintaining your car, like you said, the more you bring it in, the more they check, the better. You don't bring it in for years, then you have all these problems and you have an expense that you didn't intend. And dentistry is a unique profession because, you know, uh, we have to kind of, I always say this in my lectures, if you were going to check me at a hygiene visit, would you hope I had 10 cavities? And everyone says, no. Paul, I said, well, we hope you don't have a job. They go, also no. So dentistry is a weird field. But what I have to say is, especially in the midst of this current thing, is we have so many cool ways to rehabilitate people with dental implants and other things that we're giving them another set of teeth, but we can't help them unless they come into the office. And this is just a way for them to, to streamline the coming into the office uh, part. I wanted to ask you, Dave, some of this time though, because I know my dental people and our listeners, the nuts and bolts of running a membership plan. So first share with me. So I'm someone who's tried numerous different, a few different ones. I'm not a DIYer. I'm not a fill out a spreadsheet and say, Rob Montgomery's family came in two times, but I know some dentists are. What is the challenges of DIYing this versus using a platform? Yeah, there's, there's sort of uh, whatever obvious, uh, whatever challenges, and there's probably some unobvious challenges. Let me go through the obvious ones first. So what we see, actually, our best practices on our platforms are the ones who tried it on their own and then realize it's a pain in the ass and it's a lot of work to administer it. And they typically lose track of who has it and what benefits they have and did they come in for their visits. And also, when you come up for renewal, how do you get them to renew? And typically, it's a lot of phone calls or it's waiting for them to come into the practice, right? So it's not really a subscription. It's more like a one-off. If they happen to be there, you know, you sort of sign them up. And if they come back and then you sign them up again, it's not really truly creating a, a sort of a subscription or a membership sort of effect. Uh, so the administrative part of it and all that kind of stuff. The other part is just the user experience and the patient having the, a lot of these things I've seen is you fill out a form, or you fill out a pamphlet, 
And patients are well beyond that. The rest of their world, right? They just get on their, you know, their device and they fill it out and off they go. And they typically, when they leave, you know, buying something, they want something left behind. You know, some place I can go where I can see my benefits and it's, it's a tangible thing I can hold on to. So there's a user experience part of this that is just, you can't do it on a DIY. DIY. Uh, you, you really need a platform to, to, to sort of, you know, get all that uh, you know, uh, experience built out. And then there's other pieces where this is the sort of more nuanced piece of it, where you really need to design and price these things properly. Uh, we actually, as I said, we have thousands of practices on our platform. Our uh, CTO is, uh, he has a PhD in machine learning actually from the University of Pennsylvania, not far from you guys. Uh, and he's done analysis of the plans out there and who's being successful and who's not. And he found this uh, sort of pricing thing that's really important. Uh, you basically want to create a win-win where the patient gets enough value, but your practice gets value and you got to find that price that's in the right, sort of right in between. What we see a lot of times is practices that we try to do it on our own, we either price it too high or too low. If it's priced too high, patients aren't interested. If priced too low, practices aren't interested in selling it. So there's a sort of a little bit of a, it's not art because it's a science. You actually create an algorithm to get the proper pricing for a membership plan, but it's really important to get that balance right. Um, I, let me, a couple others, there's a bunch coming off my head, but you know, compliance is another big deal, right? You got to make sure there's state and federal you know, regulations you need to follow. You need to make sure, and there's, we've done a lot of work there, but the net is you really want to make sure you've gone through and looked at those things. You've built it you know, to be compliant. Um, here's another simple one. I, got, I mentioned that 2X you know, increase in production. We see a lot of practices with their own membership plan who they'll, they'll look at nothing but you know, each month they'll look at whatever you want to call it, adjustments or write-offs uh, for their membership plan. So let's say they had a month where they you know, wrote off or adjusted $5,000 of treatment, right? And they're like, well, I lost $5,000. Well, no, you got to look at all the data. So right. you got to capture the data and understand the impact it's having and like I said, our analysis will show you what happened to your hygiene department, what happened to total production uh, on your patients that are insured, uninsured, and membership plan. And would you have given $5,000 to increase your production by 2x? Right. I think the answer is yes, right? It's actually also, a no-brainer. Also, for practices that use insurance, uh, Rob, it's, it's like, it's a not-so-brainer because, I mean, my feeling as a business owner is you want to set this up so that it's favorable to you, but also helps the patient. So it shouldn't be your worst insurance plan. I don't know why dentists do that. They make the write off their worst insurance plan. It'd be like getting some more friends who are annoying. So, you know, put it, put it at a place where the patient feels savvy, but also maximizes your own profitability in a way that makes sense. Yeah. And you can build things into like, well, we, we help practice build these things where let's say you add an emergency exam to your, to your membership plan, right? What's the book value of an emergency exam? Let's say it's $90, whatever, right? That goes into the basis of your membership plan costs, right? And so you might say, I'll give that away for nothing, right? If they have an emergency, I want them coming to me. And so that $90 is a no-brainer to give away as part of your membership plan. But then you look at the total price of your membership plan. Let's say you add up the cleanings, the exams, the x-rays, and the emergency exam, and that's $600. Well, you just took $90 off of that as a discount for that emergency exam. Let's say you want to add, we, have a, we practice to add things like whitening uh, to their plan and call it a VIP program, right? And, and you can, you know, x-rays is another one, right? Where the value of those things is much higher than the cost. And so you can build your plan where the pricing actually works really well for you from a profitability standpoint, but it's also shown a lot of value to the, to the patient. So these can be designed in a way that, you know, it's, it's that balance we talked about where the practice gets a lot of value out of it, so does the patient. And this is not, like, you're not selling these to, to the patients. The patients want these. 
it's just a matter of you explaining it to them and they understand it. They don't think these things actually exist. They think you're going to give them some complicated insurance plan that has 20 pages right. and they don't understand it, right? This is really simple. You sign up, you, you're now good. You're going, there's no waiting period. There's no, you know, annual maximums. There's nothing. It's just, you're, you're off and running. And they, patients love that. Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, Dave, what are some things that people should be doing or best practices for implementing a, a membership plan? Yeah, it, it sort of goes, it's, it's sort of the opposite of some of the things I just talked about. Okay. So, just sort of going through the, uh, sort of what I consider best practices, it's got to be customized for your practice. So, this is not a cookie cutter, one size fits all. Um, you, like, and what are some examples of that? What, like, what, what are, what's the customization look like in, in, that, in that regard? So, there's a pricing. Uh, piece of it where you want to price it based on your geo and your uh, patient base and who you're trying to attract. There's a uh, sort of benefit uh, piece of it. So, and, and uh, let me tie that to your treatment protocol. So it's, it's something really simple. Some dentists like these fluoride, some don't, right? So you want to, you know, make sure whatever that it's designed, it's, it aligns to your belief in treatment and your needs of your patient's treatment. And then there's another piece, which is look at your patient base and personalize it for them. So, if you have lots of, let's say, kids who come to your practice, you should probably have multiple kids plans, right? Maybe based on age or t treatment needs. Uh, we have one practice that has done really, really well. They actually tripled their production. Uh, and what they did was they added a senior's plan. And the senior's plan is 65 plus. Anybody 65 plus can buy into that plan. They get a little bit of a discount from their adult subscription. So the adult subscription was, I think it was $31 a month. Their, uh, their senior plan is about $29 a month. But it's, it's called the senior club, and the seniors in that plan who buy that plan need to come into the practice between 1 and 3 p.m., which is typically the downtime for that practice. Dinner time promotes them, so it's perfect, right before dinner. It's per yeah, exactly. It's, it, it works out for everybody. Like, the seniors are really happy with it. They have the time. They're willing to do it in order to get that, you know, reduced price, and the practice is staying busy. Um, so those types of things, like understanding sort of, is there a, maybe an untapped opportunity in your practice or are there certain demographics that you want to address? So that personalization is really important. Um, hey, if you let me just stop you there. Well, so it, it clear, like what's the process with you guys working with a dentist to do that, that customization for, for a particular practice? And what I'm hearing is really sounding like consulting too. So just how does that look like in, in your company? It, 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 we actually call it a consult. So uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, so typically, you know, from a whatever engagement perspective, a, a practice is interesting. Claire will go through a demo of the product and it's live and they can, it's a virtual demo where they can talk and ask questions of a person on our side. And then if they're good with it and they want to move forward, then we set up a consult and we have what they're called clear success managers who will meet with you. Typically, it's 45 minutes to an hour. It can be as long as you want. It can be multiple meetings if you have a lot of questions or aren't sure. And what they do is they bring all the knowledge and best practices we have. And they ask the practice questions about, you know, you know, one is a look at your fee schedule. Though actually, you know, we have a comparison we do on the fee schedule and look at third-party data that we have to say whether you think you're underpriced or overpriced or whatever. Uh, just as a side thing, if, if some practices do increase their fees as part of the process, uh, we look, we ask questions about the demographics of the patients, uh, your patient base. We ask you about, you know, what is the goal of your membership plan? So some practices will have a goal of, I just want to drive as many patients into hygiene as possible. And they'll, they'll give a super discounted subscription on the, the hygiene visits. Others are like, I want to be profitable across the whole thing. And I'm not going to, you know, cheapen my dentistry by offering uh, a lot of discount. We'll say, fine, that's fine. That's no issue with that. 
Uh, others will, you know, want to do things like increase uh, types of treatment on the plan. Like the example, they'll add whitening to it and things like that and create a VIP plan. So the net is, you know, we understand, we, we understand, try to understand your goals, your patient demographics, your pricing, uh, and, and, and basically we'll suggest to you a design for the plan and a pricing for the plan. At the end of the day, the practice themselves makes the decision. Uh, but it's a, it's a nice, we had a lot of very positive feedback on that console. Yeah, no, that sounds great. Cause I would think I, I personally am sometimes in that situation where you work with people and it's like, I am working with these people, but why am I, why do I have to figure this all out myself? You know? yeah. Yeah. And it usually comes up in the marketing. I mean, just from a broad, broad picture, like the patient, can they choose to pay the whole year at once versus monthly for a different, different total cost? Or is it just monthly they pay? So, and I'll get into a little bit of the consult side of this, but you have the option as a practice to offer monthly payments if you want. And I'll explain that. So out of the box, it comes with an annual upfront payment. You can just adjust it and say, I want to, they can buy annually or they can buy monthly. It's up to the patient. You, you basically enable that option if you want. And then if they do pick uh, monthly on our platform, the patient needs to pay the first three months upfront. And so that is a way to make sure they're committed and they're not just trying to do one month payment and run. So we collect those three months up front. Our failure rate on our monthly payments is 1.5%. That's over the course of the full 12 months. That's the average. And it's typically because a card is stolen or lost. It's not typically because somebody's playing a game. Uh, and part of the consult our team has with the practice is to decide if you want to offer that monthly option or not. And this is the stats on our platform. If you have a lot of millennial patients, about 80% of them, when given the option between monthly and annual, which one are they going to pick? Monthly, right? Uh, and it's because they don't have a lot of disposable income. They're used to subscription businesses, right? And, you know, buying things this way. So it's very natural for them. When you offer the same option to, you know, people who are 60 plus, it's the exact opposite. Those, that group will actually, about 80% of them will choose the annual option. They like to pay up front. They like to clear out their ledger and, and they have disposable income. And we were a little bit shocked by that, but the net is, depending on your demographics of your patient base, you know, you're going to make a decision on that monthly payment. And if you have, you know, want to attract younger uh, patients into it, you're going to want to offer the monthly. Got it. Makes sense. Good. Cool. Good stuff. Uh, Dave, this has really been awesome. Um, tell, uh, tell our listeners uh, how they can learn more uh, about Clear. So really simple, just uh, you can go out to our website. It's uh, K-L-E-E-R.com. So clear.com. There's all kinds of information out there and, and you know, uh, case studies and things like that. But also you can book a demo. You'll see the button there. Uh, and you, that's a live demo like I talked about uh, with a, somebody from our team who will talk to you about it and show you the platform. And then if anybody has any questions, I'm happy to, you know, put my email out there. They can reach out to me at dave at clear.com. Very simple. Just dave at clear.com. And I'm happy to respond. That's awesome. As a practice owner, the membership plan club stuff is a nacho brainer. To me, it brings only good bonds you to your patient, pun intended, and just a great way to be creative after the COVID crisis to get people back into the dental office. Thank you so much, Dave. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Dave. That was great stuff, Paul. I mean, set up really well, you know, right now as, as people are making decisions about what they're going to do to be competitive and, and relevant and what we've all agreed is going to be a, a changing dental business world uh, as things return post-COVID. Uh, you know, what Dave is doing with Clear is, as you said, a nacho no-brainer. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll quote you on that. It's, it's just one more tool that I really think that you need to have in your practice 
to, to be relevant and to be able to provide more value to, to your patients. I, I totally agree. And I think we just have such, just like our podcast talks about the things you didn't learn in dental school, but should have lifetime value of customers, lifetime value of patients, lifetime value of clients. It's the same for any business. So whenever you can bond to these customers and have them be your raving fans or fans for years, the lifetime value is massive. And it's just create, it, you just have to be creative up front and you know, platforms like this uh, do it for you. Yeah. And I think from a professional standpoint too, people should feel good about this. I mean, it's not like, you know, you as dentists are selling them something that they don't need. The right. fact we need to go to the dentist, right? We all need to go to the dentist. And if it takes this little bit of a nudge or just you make it, you know, the friction-free experience, as we've talked about in a lot of different contexts, this makes it easier and more understandable for people to go to the dentist on a regular basis and get the treatment that they need. For sure. And, and it's just one of these things and we've had the theme recurring on our podcast. People are glad they did it after they did it. They wish they did it sooner. And I shared, you know, I wish I'd done this sooner for my own practices. Yeah. And the other thing too, that, you know, we were chatting with Dave, you know, at the outset, uh, this is, you know, during the, the COVID shutdown, people that have these dental plans, dental practices that are, uh, that have these membership plans are still getting paid. Right. And, and, and they can do it in a way that's genuine and ethical in this sense, where I would do this. They could either, they can just extend the plan further beyond this shutdown time, but still get paid during it. And both the patient and the practice win in that, you know, where they can, you know, it's just like a gym member extending it. So there's just, it's, it's something I wish I had more people on during this time. I'm going to work hard to uh, energize it when we get back. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. And yeah, one of the, one of the many things that, you know, people need to be thinking about and, and considering, uh, from a business planning standpoint, you know, we all know that things are going to get tighter. You know, you're going to have to just be more creative and stay in the game. Right, Paul? And this is, this is a great example of it. For sure. All right. As always, good to see you, Paul. Good to see you too, Rob. Thanks for listening to another great podcast with The Dental Amigos. And don't forget to tune in next time to have the dental business demystified. If you're looking for more information about today's podcast, you can find it on thedentalamigos.com. If you're looking for Paul, you can find Paul at drpaulgoodman.com. And if you're looking for Rob, you can find him at yourdentallawyer.com. This podcast has been sponsored by Orange Line Media Group, helping dentists and other professionals create content people love. Find out how we can help you take your business to the next level at www.orangelinemg.com. Till next time.